Church, Taylor family here. We just wanted to say how much we love and miss you guys. We can't wait to see y'all soon. That's the only way we could get Rhett to cooperate. I hope y'all are having a great time and staying safe. Love y'all, miss y'all. Bye. Hey, Grace Church, love and miss you guys dearly. Cannot wait until we're all together again worshiping. But until that happens, keep fighting the good fight. Stay safe from that corona and I'll see you all again soon. Love y'all. Bye. This church, hope everyone's doing well. Miss y'all. Hope you're staying safe, being healthy, doing your social distancing thing. Can't wait to get back in church, see everybody, hear some good word. Y'all take care. Be safe. God bless. Hey, Grace. Good to see everybody. Hope y'all are taking care. Uh, just remember to wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. Love y'all. Bye-bye. Hey, Grace Church. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to make a quick video to let y'all know that we love and miss y'all and that we hope to see y'all soon. Hey, Grace Church. We love and miss y'all, and we hope that we're all back together soon. Hey, Grace. If we do not hurry up and go back to church, we are going to end up having a farm. We've got 10 chickens, vegetables, all kinds of stuff. So we hope the church is in session pretty quick because it's getting a little bit crazy around here. You going to shake your chicken? Grace Church, we miss y'all. We're praying for y'all and hoping that y'all are staying safe during these times. We can't wait to be back in service with everybody. We miss y'all a lot and we love everybody. Y'all stay safe. Bye. Bye. Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Sister Katie here with Hayden, Millie, Ty, and Emma. As I've navigated through social distancing, drive-by celebrations, and looking sharp from the waist up, I've, it's been interesting to me to notice how our church system has also changed. What I once called the house of God has now become my home. God's sanctuary is now my living room, and church has become something we do instead of a place we go. Change is a good thing, even when it's hard to adjust to. When all this is over with, I hope we walk away from this crisis, never forgetting this new and improved way to worship. In the future, May all our homes forever be used as the house of God, where his living room is our sanctuary. And church continues to be something we do everywhere we go. God bless. We love you, great church. Praise the Lord and welcome to the latest installment of Grace Church Live. It is great to be seen this morning, although we can't see you, we know that you're there. And I just want to invite you to remember that even in times that are different and difficult, the glory of God cannot be denied. It can't be forgotten. It can't be put aside. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory. And even in times like this, we can look around and see the glory of Almighty God. We are rooted in, in a glorious experience in the cross. His sacrifice was glorious. Nature is glorious. Everything about him is glorious. And one day we're going to change. Things are going to change for us. And that glory will become another. 
and we will live on forever with him in his glory. Would you sing and worship and stand and just be all that you can to him this morning?
gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise right now. Lord, you take us from glory to glory. Lord, you take us from victory to victory, from faith to faith. I praise you, Jesus, for your presence today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you're feeling the presence of God today right where you are. I want to thank you for joining us on live stream and Facebook Live. We're so glad that you are here today. Let God be good to you today. I, I know you'll be touched by the music and the worship and, and by the word of God that's preached. And through it all, our prayer is that you will be ministered to, that God's presence would come right into your home, right wherever you are, if you're in your car or at work, wherever you may be, and that you have an encounter with the living Christ today and that he does a creative work in your heart and in your soul and your family, that you would receive something today that'll give you strength for tomorrow, strength for the next day, strength for next week and the week after that, that something today would happen that would take you from glory to glory. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time to Jesus by way of welcoming his presence into your home, welcoming his presence into your worship place today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated, and I hope again that you are feeling the presence of the Lord. I do want to give you an opportunity to give today. You'll see on your screen there are really three ways to give. You can give online at the website. You can text your gift, and then also you'll see the mailing address there on your screen that you can mail your gift today. And uh, we're just so grateful and appreciative for your faithfulness to the giving to the kingdom of God and supporting the work of God in that fashion. While you're giving, I know we've, we've already praised the Lord, we've worshiped, we've entered into his gates with thanksgiving, but I would like to pray. I'd like to, to formally start the, the service today with prayer. So as you're giving, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your presence, Lord. And if if most people today that have tuned in are like me, we're, we're just grateful to be in your presence. It doesn't really matter what that looks like. I'm just glad to be in the presence of the living God, the, the presence of my friend and my, my Savior. And so today we give you thanks for that. And I, I pray that you would bless everyone that is tuned in today, that's listening, that's watching, that you would be merciful and kind, that you would provide, that you would be our provider and our Savior today in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let me remind you of a few things that will be happening this week, and I want you to take note. You may have already seen a few of these on the screen uh, prior to the service, but let me just rehearse those in your hearing today. We do want you to remember United Family Prayer tomorrow night at 714, and um, I, I hope that you're making note of this and, and, and tuning into this with your family because it is so important that we pray together. Of course, we're praying in our own homes, but we are united in the sense that we're all praying at the same time on Monday night at 714. So please join us in that prayer effort. And then this coming Tuesday morning, this Tuesday morning prayer is dismissed as has been in the past several weeks due to the stay-at-home order. But the following Tuesday, that's going to be Tuesday, May the 5th, we will resume our morning prayer right here in the sanctuary, practicing social distancing, uh, working through the guidelines there. But we believe it's very important that the first thing that we bring back online as we try to get things going in the, in the right direction again is that we bring back prayer. 
And so we're really excited that uh, not this Tuesday, but the next, we will resume morning prayer. If you can join us, please do so at 9 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Then, of course, Wednesday night, we'll be back together again via live stream at 7.30 for Bible study. And I encourage you to join us there. And then next Sunday, we'll be honoring our graduates in the service. Always a special time. This is something we do every year for our graduates. We're proud of them. We're excited about their accomplishment, and we want to do something for them in the service next Sunday. So when you tune in next Sunday, be prepared for that and be expecting that. So that kind of gets you our calendar for the week. And I also want to remind you that the podcasts are being updated weekly from our Bible teachers, our Sunday school teachers. That's content for you on the podcast. You can find that on the website or on your favorite podcast app, however you listen to podcasts. That is available to you. And then our, our children's Sunday school and our junior high Sunday school continue to meet through Zoom. The children meet at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, for children's Sunday school and then junior high at 4 o'clock uh, that Sunday morning and then 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon for Zoom for the junior high class. And we want you to take advantage of that. Another great way to stay connected. Amen. If you got all that, say amen. Amen. I want to take just another quick moment before we go back into our worship set and, and give you an update on Bible quizzing. How many of you knew that Bible quizzing continues even in the virtual space? And so yesterday was a junior Bible quiz tournament virtually. And if you, if, if you had a chance to see that, maybe some, some way we watched some of it at our house. It's pretty amazing how they do these tournaments virtually. And I think it took them a little while to, to tweak it and get it right. My understanding is someone even wrote a computer program to make this work, somebody a lot smarter than I am. But it's pretty amazing they were able to do a tournament virtually. And in our beginner quizzing bracket, there were 10 teams from Louisiana, including two from Grace Church that competed yesterday in the virtual Bible quiz tournament. And I'm excited to tell you that Parker the man Durand made all tournament team yesterday in the virtual space. So we're excited about that. Good job, Parker. And then, then our junior division, our junior bracket, there were eight teams that competed from Louisiana. We had a team from Grace, one team from Grace that competed. And our Grace junior team uh, won first place in the tournament yesterday. And so we are proud of them. That's uh, Joseph, Noah, Carter, and Heston won first place yesterday. So we're excited about that. And then Night Train Noah Watley won second place highest scorer average points per game and made the all-tournament team yesterday. So we're excited. Way to go uh, for these guys and doing a great job yesterday. So we're excited that that continues and that they're able to do that even in these times. God bless you today. Again, thank you for being with us. We're going to worship the Lord together again. And I encourage you, just let the presence of God move in. Let, let God do something creative in your life today that will give you courage and give you strength. God bless you today in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah to God. I feel the presence of the Lord. Would you entertain him right now with your praise? Everybody praise him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. So great to be with you again. And uh, along with Brother Dave, thank you so much for joining us today via live stream, Facebook Live. We're so glad to have you today sharing uh, the glorious presence of God with us. I appreciated what someone said in their video clip a little while ago. The church isn't somewhere you go, it's something you do. And uh, your living room can become, should become, should be the house of God. If God is welcomed anywhere, it should be in your home. Thank the Lord. I still feel His presence. Let's praise Him one more time, shall we? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I do want to, again, salute our quiz team, uh, our quiz teams, our staff, our coaches, everybody that's handling that, all the technical people that made that happen. And uh, we're so very proud of our quizzers. And uh, yesterday was, I'm sure, quite an experience for them, but I hear it went without a hitch. And uh, they quiz just as excellent virtually as they do in real life. I did ask, were they going to get virtual ribbons and trophies? And the answer was no. So uh, surely somebody can come up with a, a virtual ribbon and a virtual trophy. Sure, somebody can. Anyway, uh, but hats off to our quizzers. You guys are doing an amazing job. And we're so very, very proud of all of you. Thank the Lord. I want to call your attention to the Word of God today. In Exodus Chapter 33, uh, this is burning on the inside of me this morning. I just want to express when I come to the pulpit to deliver a message, I'm always casting a net as the fishermen do in some parts of the world, even to this day they cast a net whatever it gathers in it gathers in and today I'm casting a net to reach as many people as I can I don't believe there's anybody on this planet that's as close to God as you could ever be I think there's always room to draw a little bit closer and there may, may be people today that are watching this presentation that has never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's people that have at one point in your life and you used to stand in a church sanctuary somewhere and would lift up your hands and worship the Lord, but something happened and you don't do that anymore. And then to our sweet, faithful saints, I'm desirous today for all of us to draw a little bit closer and as they just sang, to go from glory to glory. I'm asking everybody today to open your heart, your mind, even your Bibles. And I'd like for the Spirit of the Lord to meet with you and talk to your heart. I would love to get a text from somebody later this afternoon that said, I knelt beside my couch where I stood to my feet in my living room and I prayed through the Holy Ghost. I prayed back through the Holy Ghost. I draw a little closer to God. I want to throw out a message of hope and commitment. 
here today. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, and he, Moses, said, I beseech thee, talking to God, show me your glory. And he, God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, I would like to say, and the Lord said, but there is a place by me. There is a place by me. I want to talk to you this morning for a little while about the place by him. The place by him. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you so very much. If you're standing, you may be seated. There's an old song we used to sing years ago, and I enjoyed it when we sang it. It was a prayer. It was a testimony. But it said, shut in with God in a secret place. And there in the spirit, beholding his face, gaining new power to run in this race. Oh, how long to be shut in with God. I'll submit to you this morning that if we're all in quarantine, there's not greater presence anywhere to be in quarantine with than the presence of God. Our praise team sings a song sometimes. It's one of my favorites. It says, there's a place, there's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide, where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. There's a place, the song says, where sin and shame are powerless, where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. In our text today in Exodus 33, it is amazing to me that Moses, of all people, are asking to see the glory of God or the face of God. By this point in Moses' life, one would think that if anyone had seen the glory of God, it was Moses. If anybody had experienced the glory, the power, the might, the majesty of Almighty God, it was Moses. I believe he was introduced to it when he was a child. His parents were amazing, full of faith, and refused to submit to the order of Pharaoh, they hid him. And as you know the story, his mother wove a little basket, made a little ark, put her son Moses in that ark, and set him out afloat 
and the Nile River literally putting him in the hands of God. And then if you fast forward in Moses' life, when he was a man, when he was a shepherd, he was introduced again to the might, majesty, and glory of God, the only man that's recorded in the Bible that was going about his daily routine of shepherding sheep when the Bible said he looked off to one side or the other and saw a bush burning in the wilderness. It was on fire, but it was not being consumed. And he said, I will stop and look at this great sight. As he approached it, he was asked by a voice coming out of that bush. It called him by name and said, Moses, Take off your shoes for the ground whereon you stand is holy ground. A manifestation, a theophany, God's power and presence manifested in an object, an object that could not speak, and an object that should have been consumed by the fire. He heard the audible voice of God. He was in the presence of of God. He got a full-on view, in my opinion, of the glory of God, one of only a handful of people in the entire Bible that experienced such a theophany, the presence of God manifest in a natural object. But standing at that bush in the glory and might and majesty of God, somehow Moses has the courage the audacity, if you will, to argue with God about what God has just asked him to do, and that is to go to Egypt and deliver his people out of slavery and out of bondage. And God again comes and speaks to Moses and shows him his glory. He shows him his power. He told Moses to affirm that I am with you, that I am calling you, that I will enable you, I will empower you to do this task. Throw down your shepherd's rod. The Bible said when Moses threw down his rod, it became a serpent. And God instructed him to pick the the serpent up. And when he picked it up by the tail, it became his rod again. Pretty impressive miracle. That miracle would be manifest again, but only greater and not in the too far distant future. But again, Moses being exposed to the glory and might and majesty of God. He still argued. He still questioned. I'm slow of speech. I don't speak well and so on. God gave him once again a show of his power when he asked him to put your hand in your bosom, and when he drew it out, it was full of leprosy. Moses, I'm sure, panicked and was probably regretful for arguing with God, but God reassured him and said, put your hand back into your bosom, and when he withdrew it, the leprosy was completely gone. Impressive miracles, a burning bush, a rod that became a serpent, and then a rod again, a hand that became full of leprosy and then was cleansed right in front of Moses' eyes. Finally, Moses, as you know, submitted to the voice of God 
and he goes to Israel or to Egypt and allows God through him to begin the process of delivering uh, the Jewish people from Egyptian bondage. You know the story when he confronted Pharaoh about letting God's people go. Pharaoh was not cooperative. He wanted to know who sent you, what power do you have, what army do you have. Moses simply replied, the I am has sent me, meaning the God of all glory, the God of all power, the God of all might, the God of all majesty. As we will learn later in this story, Pharaoh learned the hard way that with all of his military might, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, he was no match for the God that Moses was being exposed to, that Moses was seeing revealed in front of his very eyes. Pharaoh was no match for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Moses was challenged again. In my terminology and my way of saying it, Pharaoh said, show me the power of your God. I have all these magicians that can do things. Let's see what your God can do. You know the story. Moses once again encountering that majestic, amazing, mind-boggling power of God throws a serpent, his rod down, it becomes a serpent. Pharaoh said, that's nothing. My magicians can do that. They threw their rods down and became serpents. And Moses' serpent ate all of theirs. And then Moses picked it up and it became a rod again. I don't know what that means to you. It's pretty impressive to me. I'm not sure God would really need to do anything else to impress me. I think that's the burning bush would have made an indelible impression on me And I think I'd have walked away trembling a little bit, my knees smoting one against the other and said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But as I just rehearsed the story, it wasn't so easy with Moses. Finally, you know the story. The 10 plagues come. The land of Egypt is sent into a place of tumult. Not having an answer, not having a cure not having a remedy, not having a solution. They're totally helpless at the expense of God's power being made manifest even in the land of Egypt. And finally, the 10th plague comes that is called the Passover, an occasion the Jewish people celebrate to this day. And finally, the children of Israel was delivered. You know the story, they came to the Red Sea God parted the Red Sea. And then finally they're in the wilderness and uh, the Egyptian army pursues them and the Red Sea swallows them up. Again, we've heard this story since we were in Sunday school, but it still impresses me. It's still amazing. And it's never been repeated again, not at that level. Moses was that one individual that was able to stand and look at the earth and look up to heaven and see the glory, the might, and the majesty of what God is able to do against the strongest and most powerful nation on the world. It it was hardly that God was even bothered. It was nothing more than a flick of his finger, and it was all done. 
I find it interesting the way the psalmist described it. In Psalm 114, the Bible said, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, but Judah was in his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it. The Red Sea saw the majesty, the glory, the might and power of God and fled from them. Said the Jordan was driven back and mountains skipped like little rams and little hills like lambs. Get a picture of that. Literal animals skipping through the pasture. The Bible said that the mountains and the hills looked like that. And the Bible said, What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fled? Thou Jordan that you were driven back, you mountains that you skipped around like rams, and you little hills like lambs, tremble thy earth. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord and the presence of the God of Jacob. Moses saw, the children of Israel saw, they all witnessed, some million or more people witnessed the might, the majesty, the glory, and the power of God. They were in the wilderness. Moses found himself, as the song I just quoted at the beginning of my message, shut in with God. It was just him and God somewhere in a mountain, somewhere in the wilderness. And Moses, of all people, asked to see the glory of God. Knowing my personality, if I were standing there, even before God had a chance to answer, I would want to ask Moses, my word, man, where do you think you've been living for the past years since you were a child? God wasted no expense in showing you his power and his might and his majesty. If anybody has been a recipient of the glory and power of God, Moses, it's been you. Out of all that Moses had seen, out of all that he had witnessed, he still felt like there was something about this God, this voice, this source of immense, intense power that he wasn't seeing. There was more of God that he wanted to see. Moses, by this time, had been a part, had been a participant, had even called out to heaven for it to happen. But Moses had been a part of at least 25 unprecedented miracles, manifestations of God. Just the, the impressive, again, the intense, immense power of God. Some of these things were never again repeated in the Bible. So how is it that Moses has reached this place in his life when he says, God, I want to see 
your glory. Again, my response to that is, Moses, if you've not seen it by now, I don't know what else God could show you. Let me go back to my text. Moses said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy to whom whom I will show mercy. He said, but you can't see my face, for no man can see me and live. But God said, behold, there is a place by me. I want to submit to you here today, I am certainly no Moses. I've never seen miracles at that level, but I will confess to you that I have seen my share. I have seen God do some amazing things. I've been a part of it. I've even prayed for people where they were healed instantly. We've prayed for certain situations And God has performed the miraculous. Someone just a week or so ago texted and went through a lot of detail to say how God had performed a financial miracle in their life. I could stand here today and go on and on and share with you one testimony after another of the miraculous power of God. I've seen lots of miracles, signs, and wonders. I've seen a manifestation of God as a cloud, as a midst. I've seen God save our church building in Baker from floodwaters. I've witnessed that. I want to be very careful in what I'm about to say today. But I've been to times and points and experiences in my life where a miracle is not what I needed to see some divine manifestation of God was really not what I was in pursuit of. There's been times in my life and I've even been to this place over the past several weeks since all this quarantine business has started. There's times that I just simply wanted to draw close to God for this purpose. Not necessarily to see a divine manifestation, but I just needed to feel something on the inside of me. I needed to feel the peace of God. I needed to feel the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I needed to see and feel and experience the fulfillment and satisfaction as a result of being in relationship with God. I wanted to feel his arms around me. I wanted to know that I was still in the palm of his hand. Out of all that I've experienced, out of all that I've seen in 35 years of ministry, really and truly what I was after, and I believe what Moses was after, I just wanted to go to that place by him. I know I don't have a lot of time, but the scripture is full of one illustration after another 
along the lines of what I'm preaching here today. But even the Apostle Paul and all of the might and majesty of God he experienced in Philippians 3 said that I might know him. There's a place in God that I've never been. There's a side of God I've never seen. As much of his might and majesty I've experienced, there's still a place. There's still a place. My experience personally over the past several days and weeks, I believe the verse is in Psalm 32. The Bible said that the Lord guides his people with his eye. I've often pondered what that verse meant. I finally heard a man comment on it several weeks ago and it stuck in my mind. I'll illustrate it to you this way. I remember when my daughter Casey got her driver's license. I've told the story before, but it'll illustrate the point if you'll bear with me again. But the way our house was designed and laid out in our subdivision we used to live in, you could stand in the living room window and see all the way down the street of the street that exited our subdivision. And I remember the first time she drove away by herself in her car. I stood at that window and tears streamed down my face and I asked God to keep his arms around my daughter. I was so passionate and burdened by the moment that there she goes at 15 years old. She's off on her own. She don't have her dad with her. She don't have her brother. She don't have her mother. And I watched her as she left from my view and went on her way. I went to her bedroom closet and I crawled up in that closet and I sobbed for over an hour. And I'm happy to tell you and at that point, I wasn't after a miracle. I wasn't after a plague to show God's might and majesty. All I was after was to find a place by him that would give me some level of comfort that God had his hand on my daughter. The scripture in Psalm 32, I believe it is, when the Bible said he'll guide us with his eye. I illustrated that that night. I watched her as far as I could see her. And in my heart, I knew that if something happened to her, no matter what it cost, no matter what it took, no matter what I had to stop doing or start doing, if she needed me, her daddy was going to be there in a moment and in an instant of time. I was guiding her with my eye and her, whether she realized it or not, I don't know. But I can tell you this, had she needed me, I would have been there. Over the past couple of weeks, I've had my moments with this quarantine in the absence of our church people. But I have felt God guiding me with his eye. I've never been able to leave his distance in seeing me. I've never been able to go so far that he couldn't track where I was 
and what was going on in my life. And I found it to be true a couple of Saturdays ago when I had that proverbial emotional meltdown in my office at home, tears coursing down my face. And I asked God to speak to my heart, to give me a plan, to give me some direction. He didn't then, but he has since then. But at that time where I had no plan, where I didn't feel like God was speaking to me directly, I felt that holy Shekinah presence of God. It wasn't in the form of a miracle. It wasn't in the form of a sign or wonder. But I knew that I was still under that umbrella of divine sustenance, of divine source, that God was guiding me. Even when I was groping in my own darkness, the Spirit of God was beside me, guiding me with His eye. There's a place by him. I want to briefly talk to you this morning about another man. It seemed like to me that this man was born in that place by God. He was the the byproduct, if you will. He was the fruit of an adulterous union between his father and another man's wife. He was a man that throughout his life was never really tested. You could say that he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He never led an army to war. He never drew a sword or shot an arrow from a bow defending his kingdom. He inherited a throne in a time of peace the Bible said, like no one has ever known to this day. For 40 years under the reign of Solomon, the army of Israel never had to engage. The Bible said in one place that Solomon told them to take your weapons and prop them up against the wall and go set out under a shade tree somewhere. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the essence of the verse. He was given wisdom like no other man ever had until Jesus was born. His first show of wisdom came when two mothers came to him with a live baby. You know the story, one mother rolled over on her baby and suffocated it and then went and took the live baby from another mother and put her dead baby in the bosom of the other mother. They came before Solomon with a solution to the problem. He said, we'll make it real simple. Give me a sword and we'll cut the baby in half and we'll give a half to this mom and a half to that mom. The mother who was not the mother of the baby said, that's a great plan. That's a great idea. Let's do it. The real mother said, let the baby live. Let the other mother have the child. It's okay. Just let the baby live. And through that, Solomon knew who the real mother was. Wisdom, a wise man. An excellent illustration of his wisdom. He seemingly was born and grew up in that place by him. That special place. He was so close to God. He was so used of God. He was so plugged into God that he ended up writing over 3,000 Proverbs and over 1,000 Psalms. His wisdom is manifest in the book of Proverbs 
and his spirituality is manifest in the Song of Solomon. And the dedication of the temple, oh my. The dedication of the temple. Come on, Moses, eat your heart out right here. When they built this magnificent temple compared to what Moses built, which was a glorified pup tent in comparison, here was Solomon standing and on that campus, in that edifice, if you will, of what became known as Solomon's Temple. I want to share with you a little bit of a lengthy reading from the Word of God. But it's the prayer of this spiritual man, Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there's none like thee in heaven above or earth beneath who keeps covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all thine heart, who is kept with David, thy servant. Thy servant David, my father, thou hast promised him. Thou, thou spake also with thy mouth and hast fulfilled it with thine hand as it is this day. Verse 28. And yet, and yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to a supplication, O Lord my God. Hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prays before you today, that thine eyes might be opened toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel when thou shalt pray toward this place and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and when thou hearest forgive. If any man trespass against his neighbor Solomon prayed and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house. Verse 33, when thy people Israel, he's talking about a backslider now, when thy people Israel be smitten down before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall turn again to thee and confess thy name and pray and make supplication unto thee in this house. Then hear thou in the heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest unto their fathers when the heaven is shut up and there's no rain because they've sinned against thee. If they pray toward this house and confess thy name and turn from thy sin, when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance, this is Solomon praying from a place by him. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locusts, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hand toward heaven then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive 
and do and give to every man according to his ways whose heart thou knowest for thou even thou only knows the hearts of all the children of Israel I wish I had time to read the whole prayer it was so eloquent it was so passionate it was so powerful it touched the heart of God and God commanded the writer to record that prayer forever that it would be recorded in the word of God as a tribute as a monument, a memorial to King Solomon who was praying from that place by him. But something happened to Solomon. That place by God ceased to be his his source of satisfaction. What happened to him, the Bible refers to it as the little foxes. Somehow that place by God didn't do it anymore for Solomon. He fell in love with strange women. I believe today that you could say that he tired of God. He tired of wisdom and he tired and grew weary of peace and riches. The place by him no longer Satisfied Solomon. But God wasn't that quick and willing to give up on Solomon. You can read in Solomon's song, again, the book where he manifests his spirituality. God tried to call him back to that place. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Solomon testified that my beloved spake. God spoke to me. God was still in my place or God was still in his place. I'm the one that was leaving. But God said to Solomon, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds has come, the voice of the turtle is heard in our land, the fig tree putteth on her green leaves, and the vine with a tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. God realized that Solomon's place by him had been abandoned. Solomon wasn't there anymore. The intimacy wasn't there. I'm talking to somebody right now. As I mentioned a four time earlier in this message that used to stand in a sanctuary much like this one. And you used to raise your hands and sing the old songs of Zion. You lived in that place by him. Your life was filled with prayer. Your life was filled with Bible reading, but something happened. The little foxes came and began to take their toll on the vine, as the Bible depicts. And for the past weeks, months, and even years, you hear that whispering of the voice of God in your ear that says, rise up, my love, my fair one, Sorry you've been hurt. Sorry you've been disillusioned. I'm sorry you were much like Demas. 
good love this present world. But I can assure you of one thing, no matter what's happened, God hasn't stopped loving you. Not for one single moment. And if you listen to your conscience, if you listen to your heart, you can hear. It might be faint, but you can still hear that voice of God. Let me share something else with you as I bring this to a conclusion. When Solomon listened to pastor, everybody listened. It's not time to play with the dog and the cat and Gucci gooey with the kids. I want you to listen. I'm asking you to listen. When Solomon didn't respond to the voice of God, God still didn't quit. I don't know how many of you realize it, but God tried one more way. He tried another avenue. The Bible said in 1 Kings chapter 11, that the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. God was so interested in having Solomon come back to that place by him that he stirred up an adversary. He stirred up someone to torment Solomon, to make life's life uncomfortable for Solomon, to make Solomon irritated, and to make Solomon's life a little painful. The Bible said that Solomon ignored that adversary. And a few verses later in the same chapter, the Bible said that God stirred up another adversary. I want to submit to somebody here today. God, some of you, perhaps I may even know if you're watching today, but I've noticed in lives of people that when people walk away from God, life doesn't get any better when you abandon that place by him, life really doesn't get that much better. So God stirs up an adversary. Something happens in your life to make you uncomfortable. There's the people of God that continually pray for you that God would do whatever it takes. But we've encountered today an adversary that's kept us virtually shut in our land to our houses where we can't enjoy our hobbies and our money and our career, haven't been able to for the past month and a half or so, and who knows when it will all end. I don't know if this is God's ultimate purpose, but I will submit to you today that he's using it as an adversary to stir somebody up, to impart to you the knowledge, and to have you understand that God wants you in that place by him. You know, it's one thing for God to stir us. I've been stirred by God through the years many times. I've even had those moments, Brother Dave, when I realized I wasn't plugged in. I wasn't where I needed to be and I stirred up myself. It's a whole nother ball game, if you will. When God stirs up an adversary, and he did that to Solomon. And as far as I know in the scripture, and I believe I'm accurate to say here, that out of all of God's effort, he never got Solomon back to that place by him. Solomon was more interested in his wives and concubines and the idolatry in the world 
All of that took the place of that place by God. I was going to read this, but my time is gone, and I'm trying to be as short as I can under the circumstances, but my heart's heavy today. Folks, I've known too many people that sideswiped a message like this and did nothing about it who made their departure from this world without ever getting right with God. God's calling you today to that place back. He wants you back. And he's doing whatever it takes to make that happen. I'm not going to take the time to read this to the chapter. You can read it. It's the book of Jude, only one chapter. Where Hebrews 11 is a long listing of names of people that found that place by God, Jude. And it's a little short book. Gives you numerous references, including angels that evacuated that place by him. Refers to Cain walking out on God and angels that left their first estate and Sodom and Gomorrah that had a witness. Abraham went numerous times and they said no and they were ultimately destroyed. They never returned to that place by him. I want to conclude, to conclude today, I want to close by once again sharing with you the story. In 2006, in March, Sister Murphy had been hit by a car and it's only the grace of God that she lived to, to tell about it. Remember the despondency, the three surgeries she had to have after that. They were brutal. About the time she had recovered from one, she'd have to have another one. That went on that whole entire year. In October of that year, our little church in Baker split. We lost a third of our congregation over a period of two months. I didn't need a miracle that day. I needed a place by Him. And so in January of 2007, I committed to go to the church Monday through Friday every day until I heard from God. I stayed five, six hours. I didn't stare out the window and I didn't read my Bible. I prayed. And finally, about 40-some days later, I was in that little building and I felt a presence come into that building that I've not felt I didn't feel it before, nor have I felt it since. To make a long story short, I walked around that building looking for a visible manifestation of God and didn't see it. But I was standing in the sanctuary and I was looking out over that sanctuary and I could see the faces of the people who left. And all of a sudden, my knees went weak and I went down to the floor and I laid there over an hour and I had no cognizance of what was going on around me I was caught up into a realm of the spirit that I can't explain and I realized what it was like to be in a place God's calling somebody today yes he is this coronavirus thing has you a little nervous and afraid 
won't you return to that place by you and just see what happens. If you'll stand with me today, if you're in your living room, if you'd stand. If your heart is full and heavy and you want to spend the time in repentance, if you'd kneel at your sofa, kneel at your chair, if you want to exit and walk into your bedroom, it's between you and God now. I can't, I can't do anymore. talking to people that have sat in heavenly places and you've seen the majesty of God but you've left him would you come back to him would you come back to that place by him and let him hold you one more time in his arms and establish you firm in the palm of his hand as I begin to sing softly right now there's a place God wants your presence God wants you back. The Bible said that John leaned on the bosom of Jesus at the last song. Why don't you do that right now? Just lean your head over on his bosom. Let those tears flow. It's okay. Grace Church, if you know somebody that needs the Lord, you need to know somebody that needs to come back to that place by him. Would you pray for him? Would you pray for that person? Pray for your husband. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Because there's a place where mercy reigns. There's a place where forgiveness abides and it's mine. Somebody please help me today. Talk to God. Shame or powerless. There's a place.